This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Monday, March the 4th. Thanks for being with us, everybody. I'm your host, D.A., and what would it be without a live look into Pittsburgh and the disaster, the flaming wreckage that is Antonio Brown's offseason? A.B. just can't stop talking, and in doing so, he's scaring away a lot of GMs and potential suitors for his services. We know he's not going to be back in Pittsburgh. Too much damage has been done, but now he has done a long-form interview with ESPN, did not take any blame, continued to push the envelope, and reportedly we're down to just three teams that are interested in A.B., and none of them made the playoffs last year. So, in other words, bad teams, mediocre quarterbacking, desperate situations are the only GMs looking at Antonio Brown. We've gotten to know these guys very well over this offseason. The Fan Morning Show 93.7 in Pittsburgh. Colin Dunlap, Chris Mack. How is Antonio Brown so bad at selling himself? I just can't believe how you can act so boneheaded, how they give you an opportunity to start to in this very, that's the big interview we've been waiting on, right? He's sitting in his home. He's doing all this. They give you an opportunity to start to rebrand your image. Everybody in the country is thinking I'm some, or at least in Pittsburgh is thinking that I'm some kind of wacko that I've gone off the deep end. Portray yourself as someone who hasn't number one, that helps you with the fan base. Number two, it explains your past. And number three, what it does pushing into the future is you have people, potentially the next team you're going to, or a general manager say, wow, they've got it all wrong about this guy. And he did none of that. Could have made himself some money. Yeah. Right? Do you agree? And I, uh-huh. I know you guys mentioned it earlier. Uh, who, you know, now, the saying is that all it takes is one team. All it takes is one team that really wants him and that, and that will give him a new deal. But but would you? I mean, it, what, part of the attraction of getting Antonio Brown, besides his ability, is that his affordability. Yes. You know, based on the return you get for your for your dollar, even though it's a lot of money, that's a, he's, he's, he's a bargain as, I don't a, know what, as a player. What general manager watched that and said, you see that man yeah. right there? That's the guy that, I want. We need to make him part of our team no matter the talent. The only thing that the Steelers have – going for them as far as getting more out of him in a trade or that Antonio Brown has going for him in any kind of negotiation over a contract extension wherever he ends up is that the free agent crop of wide receivers is not good at all this year. That's it. I mean, that because other than that, there's, there's no reason a team would look at him and say, yes, we have to have that. Unless you're a team that's wide receiver starved, and there are a couple out there, there's no reason you look at a 30-year-old man who's, by the way, acting like a 12-year-old child, dyeing his mustache blonde, refusing to take any responsibility for anything that went wrong, and say, yes, I want that guy who says we're going to have to play by his rules. So then aren't we back to, my gosh, I hope there's, there's, someone there's some kind of trade. return? Because it, this is to the point now, as I've said all along, and I feel my opinion is, 
I don't care if it's a six-round pick. You've got to take it for him at this point. This is too far gone. If you're not, But there's no way it can materialize, is there, where a team doesn't offer what they want and they don't release him and then it becomes St. Vincent time and he's still a and member of the Pittsburgh around? Steelers. Huh. I mean, well, <laughs> then, his, then his money's on the line. The $2.5 million roster bonus that comes due on March 17th and how that gets meted out, but also the rest of his salary this year and other things the Steelers can do in addition to not trading or releasing Antonio Brown. Two and a half million bucks is nothing to the Steelers. It's a lot to Antonio Brown. Uh, if they have to bite the bullet and take that, mm-hmm. I think that they do, that they just they just eat the two and a half million dollars as dead salary or dead money right. paid to Antonio Brown to get him out of town. I think that's exactly where we are at this point. It's nothing to them. Well, the, but if if someone is willing to, and I find it hard to believe that someone would, take on that added expenditure, then you for sure you give it away. We are at the point in time where it's head-scratching. It's mind-boggling that either his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, or somebody around AB or AB himself hasn't realized, hey, you're only hurting yourself now by being this crazy and speaking this much and refusing to show any contrition and really – just continuing to lob grenades and make it worse, you're limiting your potential destinations. And how much of this is simply about finding a new contract and the collateral damage you're willing to throw out there just to get a new contract that is not the way to endear yourself to a lot of GMs and thus closing off a lot of options. The combine is now over, and so... The race to the quarterbacks begin. We'll have the league year open up in a couple of days, which is when free agents can officially sign. And if the Arizona Cardinals decide to take Kyler Murray number one overall, that would mean obviously that Josh Rosen is for sale. So who is in on the Josh Rosen sweepstakes if the Cardinals do indeed team up Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray? Here's the Jeff Calkin show on 92.9 in Memphis. How about a certain New York team? Josh Rosen is known as kind of a jackass, yep. right? And Dave Gettleman is old school. Yep, and they had the opportunity. If they, and they had the opportunity. If they liked him, they could have taken him last year. Yes, and they didn't. Their argument would be they thought Saquon Barkley was the best player in the draft, and they went and took the best player in the draft. And that would be their argument. Saying there's a, you're saying there's a report out. Yes, there's a report that if he is indeed shopped, the Giants, the Giants are will inter- be interested. Correct. Would you give up the sixth pick in the draft, that's where the Giants pick, for Josh Rosen? Yes, 100%. I I. I was explaining this to my dad this weekend. Like, if you, for whatever reason, because the Rams were good, the we wound up in this weird situation at the 3 o'clock window very often where there was only three games during the 3 o'clock window this year, and that was typically always Arizona playing. So I got to see a ton of Rosen, and I don't understand why everyone is, like, bailing on Rosen. That team was so bad, and at times he still showed – Plenty of flashes. He still showed the ability to make good throws, and he got absolutely rocked all year, and he kept getting up. Like, this whole idea that he's, like, some kind of bad teammate, it's like, I don't know. I just saw the guy getting absolutely pummeled shot after shot, shot after shot. You still like him better than Sam Donald? 100%. He was my number two quarterback. What's what's interesting is is that in Cleveland, they obviously think they have their franchise quarterback, and I think they're correct. I think so, too. I think the Jets think they have their franchise quarterback. I agree. And what's startling to me is, because uh, I obviously follow a lot of Buffalo stuff, mm-hmm. they really think they have their franchise quarterback. Yes. I'm not as sold on it. Yes. He did have a better second half. But they, they like, talk about, we've got a franchise quarterback. Yes. Right? Um, 
Whereas in Arizona, they don't think they're a franchise quarterback. No. Not at all. Um, okay, so where do you think he goes? Washington's another team to keep an eye on because I think Alex Smith's probably never going to play again based on that injury, and I just don't think you're going to go. I don't think you're going to. If you're Denver, wouldn't you have rather had Rosen than, like, Denver's, in terms of picks to give up, right? Miami has the 13th pick in the draft. They yes. could give up 13th. Washington has the 15th, so uh, pick in the draft uh, to give up. I love this. I love I, I love Arizona doing it. Yes. And, and I'll be interested to see where Josh Rosen lands. I actually think Denver, Denver appears to be enamored with Drew Locke. And I think Denver thinks that they can get Flacco as the stopgap. And well, that's the other question. Are either once Jacksonville is picking seven. Correct. And Denver is picking 10. Correct. Jacksonville is going to have Nick Foles. And Denver obviously uh, just got Joe Flacco. Just got Joe Flacco. Does that take either of them out of the running for drafting quarterback? I think it takes Jacksonville out of the running. I do not think it takes Denver. Why does it take Jacksonville out of running? I think Jacksonville I think Jacksonville is committed to the idea of Foles actually being the next their five guy. or six years. Yes, being their guy. And, and he's I, younger, isn't he? Yes, he, he's twenty nine. Oh yeah. Okay, so you don't need to you don't need no. to pick and and I think Denver is Denver's of the opinion Flacco gives them the best chance to win this year, but I still think they are committed to taking a quarterback this year. I could definitely see the Giants being involved in discussions. I think they know they need a young quarterback to build around. And heck, if you go out there and you don't have to draft a quarterback in number six and you bring in Josh Rose and then you could use that sixth pick overall for defensive help or offensive line help. And in a big time defensive line draft, that would be a clutch move for the Giants. But you're not going to give up the sixth overall pick for Josh Rosen because you don't have to. Reports are out there that perhaps a second or a third round pick can do that. And I know the Cardinals, I'm sure, would want a top 10 pick. But again, you're not going to have to spend that type of collateral to get Rosen because of the year he had last season. Maybe some of the bloom off of the Rose. And so Dave Gettleman of the Giants, here is your offseason. Trade a third round draft pick and a number two next year for Josh Rosen and then use that sixth pick overall on defensive line help. There you go. Now you can wash your hands of the offseason. I did all your work for you. In Boston, the Celtics continue to swirl and circle the drain. They are falling in the Eastern Conference standings, and another loss over the weekend has left Kyrie Irving and the rest of the Celtics scratching their heads. Here's Mutt and Callahan on WEEI in Boston are we already seeing Kyrie Irving with more than a month to play in the regular season paving the road out of town? Want to play him walking in, Ken? Because this got spun, I thought, by Celtic fans yesterday. Yeah, I spun it. I'm not going to miss any of this. I'm not going to miss any now. of this. And, and it was because there was a camera guy uh, videotaping him walking into the arena, which they do every night for, for LeBron and Durant. And show and Curry. the opening of it, yeah. And, he said, and, and why, why did that bother him? Because everything bothers him now. Because right now he's yeah, but it's not wasn't a Boston he's on an anti-media thing. kick. This is he said I'm gonna miss this bleep. I, it wasn't I'm not gonna miss Boston. He says there at the end, and people wanted to I guess ignore the last part. Yeah. When I'm done playing, he wasn't saying in Boston. Wasn't well, saying when, no. That was the implication. Uh, in the New York Knicks. Yes, he was no. saying in general when I'm done so, playing, so I'm not guy, gonna be bothered by this. Gonna, do you think he's staying here? He's yes, bothered. I, I, I think he's you guys bothered are by a camera guy. 
And by the way, he was dressed like he was in his pajamas or something. I don't know what he was wearing, but that's why guys dress like this. You ever see Russell Westbrook? That's why they wear these wacky outfits. So I want LeBron walks in with a glass of wine. Yeah, pajamas are in, Because they it's know. It's a good red, good red tonight, guys. Good vintage. Yep, excellent. Because they know he, they're going to be on camera. They love this entrance. They think they're rock stars or rap stars well, like, or whatever. What if Kyrie doesn't? What if he uh, doesn't, then, doesn't then you know like what he, that? Then he should have worn a pair of jeans instead of the pajamas. That's mm-hmm. what. I mean, you, you really think Kyrie doesn't like the He's attention? He's a hypocrite. He's totally a hypocrite. There's a camera all over the place. See, David Ortiz didn't like it. Kyrie Irving doesn't like it. I mean, it. his quotes last night, there's got to be sound of David Price saying, we just got to be better. It's the exact yeah, same thing. he's a dink, too. They're it's both a, dinks. No, it's it's turning against the media and, and using that as your rallying cry for everybody. Well, this flipped on... I guarantee well, you that locker for, room, they're laughing about it. You asked for the date. It was February 1st, that Friday in New York. That's where he became that, a dink. That's where he became a dink. Because six months ago in October, he's telling the season ticket holders how he's coming back, and this is where he's going to be. And there was really no buzz about it, but he caught, caught, caught in a bad moment in New York. And he said, I don't know anyone bleep. And that's where it all changed, where he sort of, for the first time all year on February 1st, acknowledged... I might not be back here. And Last month has been brutal for him. No, and the, guys, the guys, the guys. The owner called the worst saying, February they've seen as the owner of this team. The guys know, you know Tatum and Brown. They know Smart. They know he's either A, leaving, or B, trading Trading them. those guys' ass, yes. Either one causes dissension in the room, uh, you know, at practice, on the plane, on the bus. Either way, whether he's leaving or he's trading them away. Either one is going to cause an issue. I kind of like a sweatsuit he wore, and I just watched it over the, the your shoulder right there. Yeah, it was a sweatshirt with Sunday best. That was a sweatshirt with a matching pair of sweatpants. Casual pants. is in, comfortable is in, Jerry. Of course, it tells. Yeah. See, it and, and and I think you guys are dis, uh, discounting the idea that he wants to build his own team, and the easiest way to do that is in Boston. There is no sure thing that he gets his buddy Anthony Davis in New York. It is no sure thing that he's able to get that group together or Kevin Durant comes to New York. Here in Boston, he gets the money he wants so a, why is he so and he had the ornery. young players because, to trade. Like, look, if you were why in camp, so Kyrie Irving needs to shut up. He needs to stop throwing his teammates under the bus. He needs to start acting like a team leader and all that. You could argue right now he's doing it more than he has before because he's not giving the media and, anything. And do you think the media is the problem? When we're, he we're says everything will be fine, rooms. everything will be fine in the postseason because I'm here. Do you believe that? I he's do, not yes. making those comments anymore. But he's going to have to <laughs> back it up. You believe that team you saw yesterday in the first half, they gave up 65 points that at home. That team is going to be fine in the postseason? The fine is that they'll get to it. They're going to go to an Eastern Conference Final. May not win the Eastern Conference Final. They're still going to an Eastern Conference Final. Well, that would be, yeah. Based on their year, that would be a fine playoff run you're just, for the you're Celtics. Just, you're just haters. You probably didn't believe in the Red Sox bullpen either. You probably thought Joe Kelly was bad and the Reds and Dobrowski should have gone out and got I somebody never to gave deadline. A thought. Why never are you such a, a hater? Thought. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Man, it is done. We can all see the writing on the wall. The Celtics aren't going to make it out of the second round, and Kyrie's not going to make it out of this summer still in Boston. It's going to take a huge sales job by Danny Ainge. And no doubt, Danny can be very persuasive, but does any part of this feel like Kyrie wants to come back? Does any part of this feel like Kyrie wants to lead the Celtics? I just don't see it. It certainly doesn't feel like that. 
it have to change pretty dramatically over the next couple of months. And it'd be surprising if Kyrie wasn't already planning on the team that he is going to leave for and we're only in early March. That brings us to the Bryce Harper portion of Around the Dial. 13 years, $330 million in Philadelphia. General Manager Matt Klintak of the Phillies joined WIP's Angelo Cataldi in the morning show. Remember, Phillies owner John Middleton said in November that the Phillies were likely to spend, quote, stupid money. Did that comment by the owner complicate things? Let's listen in. Certainly raised the raised the bar and the pressure for for the organization to, to deliver. Right? So, you know, for this, I'm, sh- I'm sure you guys have been talking about it and people have been writing about it. Like, there's that definitely raised the stakes for us. But um, on the on the positive side, you know, and I, I joked about this at the winter meetings with the with the beat writers. We didn't have any trouble landing meetings with uh, with agents or, um, you know, t- 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 they were they were happy to pick up my phone call every time I called. So. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think it was probably a double-edged sword. Um, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't advise we do it again next year. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but you know what? John is passionate, and I think that to to in my mind, like that was John demonstrating uh, his passion, his commitment, his signal to everybody that would listen, which turned out to be everybody, uh, that it was time for the Phillies to to make a move. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm. I'm pretty pleased with the way the offseason's gone and excited to get this season going. Well, you got me to the final question, Matt, and that is uh, you said before the Harper move you thought uh, the organization had an excellent offseason. What's the term for it now? Oh, I don't know. That's probably not That's not up to me. I, you know, we got to – when I sat in the back of the Coors Field uh, press box at the end of last season when we were in the midst of our slide, uh, you know, I was asked about changes and are we going to – do we need to make significant changes uh, going into 19? And, and I, I answered pretty candidly. I thought we did. Um, I didn't know exactly what form that would take, you know, which, which players, which positions, free agent trade, et cetera. You know, of course you don't know that in September, but, um, but I, I did believe that, you know, there was an overhaul was required and, um, you know, really starting with that Seattle trade, you know, that, that, that put the, um, put the wheels in motion for a, for a long off season and uh, that, you know, touched our roster in a number of ways. And that we hope is going to lead to a bunch more wins this year, because that's really the bottom line. You can win the off season, but and then you got, you have to, you have to go win games now. And I think we're well positioned to do it. I think, uh, you know, our clubhouse is ecstatic. Um, our players are jacked up. I, I know by, uh, from what I hear back in Philadelphia, mm. the ticket sales and everything else, I know the fans fired up and I think we all should be. So, uh, now we just got to take care of our business here for the next three weeks, getting everybody ready for opening day and, and, and come home and, and get it rolling. Well, you're right about all that, Matt, but I don't ever remember a better off season than what you guys just had. And it's uh, I congratulate everybody in your organization. This has been remarkable. And the whole city is dying to see this new team. Should be no, great. And I, you know what? I'm going yep. to leave with this. I appreciate you saying that. And I'm going to tell you something. I appreciate our fans sticking with us because, you know, about three and a half years ago when I got this job, you know, we've always tried to be honest about the direction of the team and the, and the realities of it. Um, but, you know, there was always this kind of implicit understanding that once we got the foundation of the team, of the major league team back to where it needed to be, that we would make the, you know, the necessary commitments, whatever they were, free agent trade or whatever, uh, to get this team back to back to contention status. And, you know, I mean, I 
look, I know that we had some some lean years and, and some, some some tough stretches over the last few years, but you know, for the most part, I think our fans have been very understanding of that, um, and I give them a lot of credit. I thank them, and then I obviously thank our our ownership group and our organization for uh, backing it up when the foundation of the team was good, uh, allowing us to make the the necessary improvements. So, you know, we're all in this together. I think this is a you know going to be a fun season. Well, that's about as close as you're going to get to a GM slapping the wrist of an owner. Wouldn't advise we do it again next year. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know what? John is passionate. And I think that in my mind, like that was John demonstrating his passion, his commitment, his signal to everybody that would listen, which turned out to be everybody, that it was time for the Phillies to, to make a move. Yeah, we, we probably don't want to do that again. We, we probably don't want to advertise in blinking neon lights. We're here to spend, quote, stupid money because, unfortunately, it's not helping our cause. So, owner John Middleton, yeah, you might not want to suggest that next time around, but you might not have to because now the Phillies got their big fish. And that means that in D.C., the Nationals offer, which was reportedly $300 million, right as the regular season ended, wasn't even close, weirdly, though. Because if you think about it, he only took $30 million more, but that was spread out over three more years, again, reportedly. So what's real and what's not? The sports junkies in D.C. on 106.7 The Fan had Nats GM Mike Rizzo on the show. Was the Nationals' offer to Bryce Harper at the end of the regular season a, quote, crap offer? Rewind to the Bryce Harper offer because there's somebody sure. at this table who dubbed it a crap offer. I'm not going to tell you who it was. Whoever it was making a lot of money then because right. that's a crap offer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, insult me with an offer no, like that. How please. did it go down? Because it was something that, you know, Bryce didn't want to talk about contract during the season. You got, Everybody knew what was happening. And it was reported that the Nationals, I don't know, you had a, a, a dinner and there were dinners along the way, maybe with Lerner. Kind of tell us what happened with Bryce and about that crap offer. Yeah, no dinners. I don't, I don't remember any dinners. But uh, we met with Bryce a couple of times during the, during the season, at the, at the tail end of the season. What our, our thought process was this. You know, we wanted, we wanted to keep him. Uh, and uh, so uh, our, our, our uh, strategy was we have exclusive we have exclusivity to to negotiate with him uh, until the first day of, of free agency, and then he becomes a you know free agent to to everybody. So we felt that our our best way to not only try and try and uh, lock him down, but to to then know what the landscape looks going forward as far as the off season, who we can go after, and that type of thing. What our financials look like. Our best chance to to do that was to uh, try and sign him before the free agent deadline. So uh, we we. Talked to him a few times with ownership and myself uh, right there. I spoke to him uh, uh, personally a couple of times, and uh, at the, the last home game of the of the season, we made him uh, we made him this proposal and this offer to he and and his agent, uh, and uh, we had to put an expiration date on it because we couldn't let that linger on until March second when he, when he signed and try and get the rest of our business done. So right. we uh, we fired a, uh, what I thought was a, a extremely market valued aggressive offer as our primary offer uh, and uh, put an expiration date on it uh, and that was what that wasn't to say after the first day of free agency we weren't going to discuss it again uh, but uh, certainly when uh, the Patrick Corbin signing took place 
then it became more difficult and we had to, we had to re- really process it amongst ownership and that type of thing of where we were and where we were going but we, what, we never closed the door on it was the first offer the one that you made before the end of the regular season was that the same offer that you made that that we all heard was the hundred million dollar deferred or that, was that was that something different? No, that was that was the offer. It was it that was, was that three, offer. It was not a hundred million. It was three hundred million deferred. It was three hundred million deferred. It was three hundred million dollar deal over ten years, right. and there was some money deferred. Oh, I'm yeah, not yeah. going to get into the specifics okay. of it, but it was it was a real it was a real aggressive opening offer to a great player. I, and, and, I, and what was his original hesitation to that offer? I, you know, that's you know that, that's part of their their negotiation. They uh, you know they never. Taught us what, told us what their feelings were towards it, or so or they didn't counter kind of off they of did that. Not, they did, they did not counter on it at all. Well, wow. I'm, I'm over it. I'm a Bats <laughs> fan. I'm <laughs> over it. Right, so I'm behind. I'm good. And what is amazing to me, and it's a testament to you, Mike, is how expectations for this team are still through the roof. How excited everyone still is about the roster that you've been able to hold on to and put together. It's, a, it's, a great it's roster. like you haven't missed a beat. Well, you know, we're fortunate. We've got. It's amazing. To, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, we we took a lot of time into constructing the lot, uh, the the roster, and uh, and you know, kind of fixing the 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 places that we thought that we needed fixing. And uh, you know, we lost a lot of free agents o- over the the season, so we had a lot of. Uh, we had a lot of uh, holes to fill, and uh, you know, we went out and uh, had a plan together, and uh, and ownership gave us the resources, and uh, and uh, I think that uh, you know we went out and uh, targeted cer- certain players, not certain positions, but certain players. Right. Uh, and when uh, when we uh, when we went out uh, heavy against Pat uh, to get Patrick and and acquired him, and I think everything else fell into place. I guess it depends on how much that money was deferred to define it as either crap or better than crap. But three hundred million dollars to stick around when he only got three thirty over thirteen years certainly doesn't feel like a crap offer after what we just saw happen after the dust settled. That seemed like a pretty good offer, honestly. And so that also means that the San Francisco Giants do not end up with the big ticket fish this offseason. But not everybody in the Bay Area is broken up about this after seeing the money and the years. Maybe Giants fans should be happy they didn't land Bryce. Here's 95-7 of the game and afternoon delight in the Bay Area. I would not have given him this contract. If you're, if you're a Giant fan, you're glad uh, that you would uh, By the way, pass Pop, no this. trade clause for Bryce Harper. No trade clause at all. Jeff Passan just reported that. What are you saying that. in no trade? Jeff Passan just reported that, that it includes a no trade clause yeah. in the I contract. I thought you said a no, no trade, yeah, a yeah. full no trade. Full so no he trade can't clause. be traded anywhere. Nowhere. So they, they just got married. In baseball, you know, terminology, uh, 13 years is a lifetime. So I, this is shocking to me. Uh, I'm not sure what they were after. And I know, you know, Dusty could say he doesn't want to be a free agent. Why not? Why why, why not? I mean, that, that's just beyond me to commit to him. Uh, he's all in. So they're going to have to love him in Philadelphia. He'll be able to ride out the ups and downs with that fan base. And over the time of this 13 years, they're going to love him. They're going to hate him. Gonna, but, they're, you know, it's going to be an intriguing marriage here. As far as what, what I want to know is when the owner from the, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies flew to uh, Vegas, uh, I, I, how was the deal sweetened from the weekend to right now? And how did bring in the Dodgers and Giants in? Because there's just no way that Andrew Friedman would accept this contract 13 years there's no way Farhan Zaidi would do that. 
I mean, it's just, I mean, Larry Bear, <laughs> is he even going to be around for 13 years? I mean, this is a, a ridiculously long contract. And, I, you know, I, I'm sure Boris was looking for some kind of a headline. And what I thought he was going to look for is the, uh, the important one is the average annual value. And you're saying he's number 14 on the list. So he didn't get that. He does get the richest contract in the history of baseball as far as guaranteed money. If this was an NFL deal, we would look at it that way. He gets the money guaranteed. He can, he can you know, break every bone of his body right now whenever he signs this contract, and he's going to get $330 million. Giancarlo got three twenty-five. Manny just got three hundred. A Rod, as we cited years ago, two seventy-five. Arenado got two sixty, but he got it over eight years. I mean, do the math here. It's now the the other side of it is you're going to pay pay a player well into his thirties. You'll have to see how the contract is structured. So it would seem like Arenado's deal is better because of the average annual value. But if he does get hurt or he's no longer productive, then at the end of the contract. Uh, you know, it's going to expire. He's not going to get the five extra years that Bryce Harper got and the extra $70 million. So Bryce is going to get it. He's going to get $330 million guaranteed. I, From the Giant perspective, and I, I was hoping they were going to get Bryce Harper. There's no doubt. You're just going to buy him. You don't have to trade anybody for him. It's just U.S. currency, and it's a business decision. But I would not have given him this contract because of the length that 13 years is a problem, and I know he's 26 years of age, and it's also just shock. I'm I'm more shocked from Scott Boros accepting this and not asking for an opt-out. Maybe that was what he was trying to get from the Phillies hammered out him the whole way. I I don't know, but uh, this is shocking to me that he took not the 330, that he did it over 13 years to get the 330. I totally understand and share that belief. I think 13 years is insane. The idea that you can project what you're doing in your personal life or your professional life 13 years from now, the idea that you can project how valuable you'll be or how productive you can be 13 years from now is a fool's errand. You can't do it. We've never seen 10-plus-year contracts pay off. Never. We've never had a contract pay off the way the original team intended when they've signed a baseball player to that long of a deal. And also, in professional sports, how could you possibly project what Bryce Harper is going to do 11, 12, or 13 years from now in a city where there's not a ton of patience and it's a tough fan base and it's a tough media market? To me, it just seems inevitable that this will be the next contract that doesn't look smart, that doesn't look good. And right now, it's March. And no real games have been played, and everybody is all hunky-dory about it. But I agree. I wouldn't want to be tethered to even Bryce Harper for 13 years. Thanks, but no thanks. The week is off and running. This is the best in your sports talk for Monday, March the 4th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.